Welcome to the Mondo Solution Podcast. This is episode two with your co-host, Jordan McDonald and Brandon Wood. What's happening, everybody? Hey, how are you guys doing today? So we have a few things to discuss today, right, sir? We do. We do. We're going to, so I'll let you handle it, but what we're going to do is talk about some stuff, maybe some news. And since we're still both getting our, our sea legs under us in terms of like preparing, (laughs) you know, preparing, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I I think that, you know, if you guys want to hear about something, we will have an email address for you one of these days to email us to say, Hey, talk about this thing. So anyway, I'll step back, go for it. Yeah, all is well. Uh, just a minor point. Um, I noticed that Microsoft made an announcement just recently that uh, they're moving their office branding and they're trying to consolidate around uh, just Microsoft 365. Uh, and a, f- a few things that jumped out to me, I'm, I don't think they're going to delete office.com. That would just seem foolish, but it just seems odd that they would kind of, they own the word office. Uh, and to... Mm to consolidate office and the office suite of products uh, and all of their offerings for both home and business under Microsoft 365 makes sense from a subscription perspective, but they were already organized that way under the subscription. Uh, So it's just the nomenclature that's changing. I don't know. It just seems, it seems like a step backwards. I, I don't know either. I think that some of those things are kind of finger in the wind type of decisions. And I also think that maybe it's just kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it. Maybe it is a play on the fact that ever since, what, March of 2020, the the office, the actual physical workspace that is the office, to for many people has gone the way of the dodo. I mean, I know I know a lot of people who have not been back to work since March of 2020 in, in the office. Um, I personally don't like that. Like, I like to go... And now my office is at my home, but I like to go to my office instead of sitting on the couch because then I won't get crap done, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe it's part of that. I'm always baffled when people that have this, I mean, in their case, what a 30 year old brand in the, the office kind of subset of Microsoft. Then they're like, you know what? Never mind. It'd be like McDonald's getting rid of the Big Mac. I mean, (laughs) come on, (laughs) you know, I love that sauce. (laughs) It's so good. The secret sauce. I mean, thousand Island dressing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'll be curious. I'm always so I'm a Mac guy, <clears throat> um, as you know, and I'm always very curious because anytime that somebody says to me, uh, "Okay, well, we're going to be using Microsoft products," oh, hey, let's let's jump on a Teams meeting. I look at them like they have three heads, <laughs> like so. I, and it's not to denigrate the 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 company. I mean, obviously, they're wildly successful and and hold the majority. Uh, share of PC users in the country, but um, in the world, probably. Um, but I'm very curious because maybe maybe it's part of pulling out of the office thing and moving more fully into the, the 365 aspect um, mm-hmm. because there's so many more things, right? There's like an ERP function that could be there and it's kind of trying to be this single single point solution, I think. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think you bring up very, very valid points. Uh, Microsoft offerings are um, Microsoft's offerings are they're so broad, right? There are yeah. there are so many things um, you get as part of even more basic packages. But when you pay for something more uh, extreme, like an E three and E five uh, enterprise plan, I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting 
you're getting data studio and, and, and AI um, functionality and, and a workspace, um, a dashboard onto so many things that most people arguably probably don't use. Right? It, uh, it, I mean, that's a great point though, right? I mean, you're, you're paying for these things theoretically when you go to that level that you will never use. I mean, so I have, as you do as well, the Adobe Creative Suite, right? If somebody said to me, hey, dude, whip up something in, oh gosh, XD, I would be like, you're out of your damn mind. Like if Photoshop, fine, we can have that conversation. InDesign, even somebody brings up the word artboards and my brain goes blank. So it, because I use these, I use the parts of it that are pertinent to me. And even still, I mean, look, I'm in sales, you know, I'm not, I, I yes, I am a marketer, but I'm also in sales. I, I don't have as much need for the actual creative side within within Mondo, right? So, you know, when I have to go outside that comfort zone, it, it kind of gets a little wonky. And so that's what a lot of people, but they're, they're paying for this. I mean, I have a client um, who I won't mention, no offense to them, they're lovely people, but <laughs> uh, who has this enterprise level ERP and all of these things to... And then they're combining, by the way, with Hotspot or with HubSpot, rather. Um, God love HubSpot, but they're combining their this ERP system through their website with HubSpot into Dynamics or, or 365 somewhere over here. And I'm like, what? You guys are paying solidly 1500 bucks a month for this. Or you could just have a contact us form that somebody types in an email address and it just goes right into Google Docs and it costs you nothing. <laughs> so. I, I think that so many people and and I was actually in a networking group this this last week and I encouraged it was it's a BNI that I'm a member of and I encouraged the people that are in that group I said guys take a step back and objectively look at your marketing right I said because there are chances are that you're doing things or using tools that you think are bringing something to you but it probably isn't and and I said, I gave kind of a, an example of somebody that I had talked to one time. It was somebody in the trades. <clears throat> I think it was a roofing company or something like this. And they put all this energy into TikTok. And they go, okay, that's fine. TikTok is very useful uh, relative to influence marketing, especially, but you're a roofing company. Now, chances are, somebody's not putting a retail roof on their house. They're only putting a roof on their house when there has been damage, right? Wind, hail, fire, tree, whatever it is. Uh, that and TikTok skews very, very young. And so its users by and large aren't going to have disposable income to own a house. They're probably going to be in a condo or something like that. And if they own a house, they're going to be using whoever their insurance broker or insurance agent or whatever recommends to them when there's been a hail event, for instance. And so I, I said to this person, I was like, why are you spending so much time and energy of your own to film these TikToks? And then you're talking to a marketing agency to make them pretty and all this stuff and publish them for you. So you're literally out all this time and then out all this money to do it. And I go, there are pieces here you don't need to pay for it. Now, I'm kind of equating that back over to the Microsoft thing, to the Adobe thing, right? It, take a look. People should really audit themselves 
you know, but I think we get this confirmation bias where we go, well, it's just what I've always done. Oh, but I, I really like the way that I love doing TikToks. Well, no one cares if you love doing TikToks because if it doesn't bring any revenue in the door, what are you doing? And so all these tools that people are using and they're paying for, it's, it's a similar thing. Like, why are you paying for all these things that you don't use? I, I do like the fact that, you know, Adobe... Uh, with the Creative Suite. And there are other companies that do similar things. And Microsoft may do similar things. I don't know. But they piecemeal those things out. And it wasn't forcing you to buy the, you know, the whole Magilla, you know. In Adobe's case, that's what I have is the whole thing. Because I use like Premiere Pro and Photoshop and whatever, uh, and Audition and all these tools that are on there. I use those all and it was just, it was the same price for me just to get the whole thing, right? Exactly. But if I just want Photoshop, it's not the same. It's like half or something like that. So anyway, I'm very curious when, why people buy these big, huge things. So I hope Microsoft, even though they're abandoning the office thing uh, from a marketing perspective and going, a branding, I guess, perspective and going purely into the, the 365 aspect, I really hope they still allow people to, um, I don't know, piecemeal what they need and then frankly walk them through that because I think there's just a bit of corporate honesty. There's an ethics element to that, in my opinion. So, sorry, no, no, your thoughts. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I've always wondered why um, they chose 365. I felt that was kind of exclusive to the leap year and it should have been more inclusive on that front. Um, it should be Microsoft 366. Wait, why 366? Because <laughs> uh, it's the one additional day in the leap year. In the leap year, yeah. yeah. 366 would be the additional day, right. Well, I thought, though, every time I hear it, every time I hear it, and maybe I'm dumb, which is, if you ask my ex-wife, probably. <laughs> so so it, maybe I'm dumb, but I hear it and my brain automatically goes 360 complete circle. I know mm -hmm. I like check out on the year part. So, what, like, what are they doing? Or are you going to use this 365? Shouldn't it be called, like, 365 minus vacation days or something like that? <laughs> there I mean, has to be a caveat for, like, the quiet quitting and all yeah. extra paid PTO, right? I mean, you're right. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I, I mean, that's kind of, like, I have thoughts on that whole thing. Uh, when companies, when you leave companies, you change jobs, you get fired, you quit, whatever that is. There, there are elements there. And I, and I understand why companies do this, but again, I think there's an, I think there's an ethical, uh, question when you leave somewhere, technically all the contacts and things like that you've made belong to the company that you just left. And I understand that. And, and I, to a large degree support that you are doing that work to glean those contacts or what have you, they should belong to that company to a point, you know? Um, and quite frankly, if you're being, if you're being smart, you have, you always have a separate database of people to contact. But my point being that like, when you leave one of these companies, uh, they just, you just get locked out and you're like, Oh, well, I accidentally have a picture of my kid in my Google Drive or whatever that's attached to my company. And I'd really like that back. And they're like, well, oh, it sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's the business. It's, um, it's, it's not a thinking, well, it's not a feeling entity or in large yeah. strokes, it shouldn't be right. Things are, this gets done. It's a process, right? It shouldn't be, but let's face facts. 
some people are pricks. I mean, and they go, it's not business, it's personal. And you go, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, there is, well, there is because I mean, think about it. And granted, this is an American attitude and maybe this, I mean, I, we're, we're veering away from the marketing aspect, but it is American attitude. People all over the world, uh, particularly in Europe are like, why do you guys work so much? And then part of your identity becomes wrapped up in what you do. Um, and then it's, and then it's even, you can take that a step back further. There are people, for instance, so Mondo, at Mondo, we are marketers, right? And we're doers. And I pride myself on being an actual marketer. But there are people who may or may not be at other agencies who are not marketers. They fake their way and, oh, I'm a marketer. I'm a, no, no, no. They're just salespeople. It's as simple as that. All they're doing, they're just poker players, you know, which is effectively, God love all the poker players, most of the poker players. Uh, they're just liars. That's what poker, that's what playing poker is, right? <laughs> You're pretending. Um, and so, but those people, it, it's not only wrapped up in who they are from the business perspective, but then it's this weird kind of separate thing because all you're doing is priding yourself on convincing people to buy your BS. And, you know, and, and because I think you're also not as involved and intrinsically linked to the product. But so there is that aspect because we work so hard, because we as Americans don't know how to take time off properly. Um, yeah, especially as marketers, you know, I mean. I, I want to inject something if I Please, may. please. I, I, you brought up an extra, uh, a very interesting point, and I was hoping you could actually uh, elucidate on it a little bit, and that is um, you mentioned there was a difference between being a marketer and being a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And um, I, what, are your, what are your thoughts there? Because I, you know, I'm not sure if in my head I, I have a concrete definition of those two as separate entities. In my mind, everybody that's working for themselves, or even if you're working uh, amongst a larger organization, uh, everybody needs a sales component to them uh, mm-hmm. because you, you, as is so often said, you should never sell yourself short. Uh, you should always be uh, promoting what your strengths are and your skills, um, not without forgetting uh, about your weaknesses. But, but yeah, what, what are your, what are your thoughts there on that, that difference? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I guess this is probably one of those things that's, uh, it's a, it's a very Cartesian, uh, discussion because it can be, it could go on forever if we really wanted to. And I, and in my opinion, anybody, uh, I know people that they're like, Oh, I could sell ice cream to an Eskimo. Great. I could do that too. Right. And you can, you just, they pride themselves on being able to sell anything. So all they are is a Xerox machine for the product they're selling. All they're doing is having imprinted upon them the information that is coming from the original thing. There's no creativity. There's no actual strategic uh, element to what they're doing. Yes, there. I fully agree with you. There should be a sales element to what we do, but is it sales or is it pride in what you do? Because I think the pride in what you do, the expertise that you hold within that thing that you're proud of doing, and then your ability to exhibit and I'm going to use a kind of cliche term, it's not synergy, but it's passion <laughs> for you to be able to transmit that your kind of passion around what you do towards somebody else is going to be your conv- convincing in a, in a sales capacity. Um, so yes, there is that element. But people that are just raw, pure sales, and there's nothing wrong with that, 
there's no strategic element to it. All the strategic elements that they're using, all the things that they're going to tell you, all the value building, all of those sorts of things that they're going to do in like a proposal sort of situation is something that they learned somewhere else, right? They, maybe they, and hey, maybe, maybe, and they didn't, but maybe they went to uh, like the SEMrush blog or something and wrote a, read a blog post. So maybe they did some research. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Is it likely? No, because a lot of times those people, there's so much. And I say, listen, I say this as a person in sales and we don't need to go in this today, but as a former opera singer, I am in, there is no shortage of ego over here. Trust me. So like, but, but I will tell you that I also think and try very, very hard, uh, actively try very hard to have the humility to not think that every single thing that comes out of my face is right. Cause it's not. And so I will sit down with, I met with a client last week and, uh, he was being interviewed for this uh, industry newsletter. So he, he works in the construction space. He was being interviewed for this newsletter. They sent him this big list of, I think it was like 15 questions, let's say. So he calls me and he's like, hey man, um, how do I answer these questions? Like, I know how I want to go through them and answer these questions. Um, but, you know, essentially this person that's writing this article or, or kind of compiling the article for this publication she said, look, the more you say in here, the more it's going to, you know, the longer your article is going to be. And so he goes, well, I was going to go ahead and answer it myself, but can we talk about this? And so what we did was, and I'm the sales guy, like I'm the sales guy. And I know people that would be like, bro, this is going, excuse me, Mr. Bro, because it's a client, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is, this is going to be three hours of work. Let me send you a bill first, and then we're going to do this. I'm not, I'm not playing those games. So I was on the phone with him. We took five minutes and I said, listen, I said, I think that what you're trying, we kind of talked briefly about exactly what, what are your goals? Like, who are you talking to? You're talking to people in the industry. You're talking to your suppliers because you're going to drop their names in there. And then if you say these right things over here, the industry people and the suppliers will understand that you're a very customer forward uh, company. And then I was like, great. So we got all that nailed down. I said, next week on Monday, actually, I guess this was this Monday. I said, let's get together. We're going to set aside two hours and we're going to put this together. And so we took two hours to answer those questions. And I am not the person that typically is executing on the marketing for people. But I also pride myself in knowing that customer. He just called. In fact, since we've been on the phone, he called me like that. So like, because we have that sort of relationship, he's going to be pissed that I didn't pick up, but it's okay. No, he won't be pissed. He's a great guy. Like, but, but we had a conversation and we're sitting there like splitting hairs over a sentence structure because you have to do those things. And I feel like so many people are just like, they're so the sale is first and that's it. They'll, they'll tell you a nice yarn and they'll go, oh, no, no, it's the client first. It's not the client first. You might think it's a client first. And by the way, we're going to talk about why clients should be first here in a little bit. <laughs> but like you're, they'll, you might say and think that the client's first, but the client is only first as, as long as that check clears. And that's fine because look, we all need to make money. And I like money a whole lot, especially now that it's worth about half of what it was a couple of years ago. So <laughs> like I, 
I value that relationship with the client. And then I also feel like because I take time to understand who they are, where they are in their business and what they want apart from just ROI, right? Return on investment. I feel like it gives me a perspective to be able to put myself in their shoes so that if I have a wild hair about like, I go, oh, you know, I had this idea while I was in the shower and I can call that client and I can go, hey, here's this idea that I have. And in that particular client, by the way, and again, I won't mention who they are, but um, they passed on me, on working with me three times in the past. And each one of those times is because they didn't trust the sales BS coming out of the face of somebody that I worked with. And it wasn't me. But as soon as I was in a good spot, like Mondo, and again, we're not, yes, we are here to talk about Mondo, but we're not here to just kind of, you know, it's not a pitch, right? For everybody the entire time. But as soon as I was in a place with a company that was trustworthy and actually ethical, not just kind of lip service to ethics, but actually, actually ethical, he was like, let's do it. Is that, that's a very long answer. To no, it's, it's, it's perfect. Uh, and, and I want to piggyback onto that by just uh, offering one thing before we move on to our next uh, topic, which is all about, uh, all about the clients, right? All about the people who matter, right? They, they really do. Uh, but just to expand upon what you're saying uh, from a personal experience and another life, I was deeply involved with uh, facilitating negotiations for, uh, for, for nas- national contracts for, say, uh, for utilities. So, so mostly, uh, not water, not electric, but uh, internet utilities oh, nice. uh, and, and things of that nature. And uh, the salespeople, I would definitely call them salespeople. Uh, oh, yeah, they could tell you every sweet nothing that, that you wanted to hear. And even a lot of the ones that you you didn't want to hear. Um, yep. It's just like, you, you actually don't need to say anything more right now. Uh <laughs> I'm already sold. This sounds mm-hmm. great. Um, it, you know, and, and when I was green in that area, uh, oh yeah, everything sounded good, right? Everything's great. Yep. But these, at the end of the day, right? Of course, these uh, individuals, nothing against them. They're performing their job splendidly, but in those, you know, I think they're really mega, mega corporations in these large entities uh, where there are very specific silos and very, very specific structures and people need to perform their role in order to um, it, it get compensated in the way, however their, their pay structure was, you know, they mm-hmm. needed to check off these boxes. I totally get it. Uh, but, you know, the next day, whatever, the, the day comes when the service is being installed or you need support, they're not the people that you're Mm-mm. working with. They're not even your first party contact. In fact, they can't even help you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they will promise they can, they'll give you their number, but then they, they won't answer. Right. Because they really can't help you. You know, they'll, they might say they can, but I, I, the point I'm building upon here is that yes, there's a difference um, from somebody that is checking the boxes to somebody that actually cares about providing you service. Yeah. Uh, and if, and oftentimes you would think of that person perhaps as a, like a product project, project manager kind of role where they tie the yep. pieces together to make sure that you get connected um, with the, the right team uh, that handles that specific area of the business. Um, but, but yeah, in, in the broad scope, salespeople, 
Yeah. Yeah. I learned, I learned pretty quickly there. It, well, it's, it's say, so the two sides, I, I, I guess for kind of lack of a better duality is sales and implementation. It's as simple as that. Uh, yes, they're on the implementation side. There's well, on the sales side, there's SDRs, BDRs, sales reps, account manager, whatever it is. On the <clears throat> implementation side, customer service, right? CSMs, project managers, whatever. Actual developers, if we're talking about the digital space. And yeah, there's always there are a couple of Instagram accounts that I follow that are in the sales space, and <laughs> and they it's always this constant back and forth and like implementation frequently hates the sales guy because quite frankly, the sales guy's like over here and they're like, Oh, I'm going to sell you the world. You're going to have 34 customers a day. You're going to be retired on a yacht in three years. And the person buys this package and then implementation is like, no, none of that will happen. Let's get you implemented. Now, of course, if they're correct implementation, and it, it, I, I guess if the sales side and the implementation side are really having honest conversations with one another in, in a marketing space, kind of specifically, because in a SaaS space, it is what it is. Yeah, you can BS your way through selling a SaaS product and say, you know, it's going to do all these things. It'll comb your hair for you, make your breakfast. You're like, I thought it was marketing automation. You're like, still, it'll comb your, it'll give you more time to comb your hair. Don't you want this? And it's like, come on, man. But if, <clears throat> if a salesperson isn't that kind of like, I'm going to promise you whatever you ask, because again, like I know these people and for me, here's how that would go. You go, Hey, Brandon, I really need my marketing automation to, to uh, comb my hair for me. I go, all right, listen, I'm not sure if it can do that, but I'm going to find out. And then I'm going to go and actually find out. And then when I sit down, I'm going to set that expectation and go, Jordan, your head is shaved. So I congratulate you. So it doesn't matter if you needed to comb your hair. I'm sorry. It's not going to be able to do that, but here's what it can do. Jordan, this thing right here is going to mean that you don't have to respond to 34 emails every single day. It's going to automate the responses to those people. And it's going to give you, if we estimate two minutes to send every single email, that's going to be 34, 68 minutes. So that's an hour and eight minutes. And even if you brushed every single hair on your head for two minutes at a time, it would still give you enough time to comb your hair. So while it can't brush your hair for you, it can certainly give you enough time to be able to do that. That's what that conversation should be. But what a lot of salespeople go is go, yes, it will do that. And then they have to go figure it out. And that, I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that too, but you need to know, you need to know your implementations capabilities. You know, I mean, at Mondo, and you would know better than I do, but like Amando, we have such a deep uh, on the marketing side and on the development side, which I don't really talk about very much because uh, it's a it's a different sort of a conversation. But on the development side, on the IT side, like there are all these things that we do that there is pretty much anything that I, I bet you, <laughs> I bet dead serious, and he may be listening right now, and he will certainly hear this at some point. That if somebody was like, and also apart from doing all my pay-per-click and my social media posting, I need something that's going to brush my hair. Joe would be like, done. He'd go get a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> He'd go get some actuators and he would code that thing to brush your hair. Now, I know that we can do that. I think that unique, uh, excuse me, Mondo is unique in that. And again, I'm not trying to like pitch, pitch, pitch. That's not the whole thing. But the point is that I know that because... I talked to Joe. I'm not afraid to ask 
the questions and go, hey, Sarah, hey, Joe, hey, Jordan, whatever. Can, is this possible? How, how is this realistic? Because I would ra- way rather set proper expectations with my clients because those are the clients that maybe they're not a client yet and you're their hopeful client. I don't need to be the guy today. I just need to be the guy when you're ready. And if I'm the guy that's told you the truth, even if that means you're going to go out and try to do your own marketing and want to kill yourself, fine. But I'm the guy that told you that and you're going to call me for help because you trust me. Not because I sat across the table from you looking at you like you're a piece of meat and trying to sell you and sell you once, by the way. These people that talk about, oh, our retention rate is 90%. No, it isn't. No one's retention rate who is selling in that manner ha- is is very high because they cannot deliver. There, there's always this overpromise, underdeliver thing. They can't do it because they haven't set proper expectations. Anyway, let me. Yeah, I'll, well here, I'm gonna step off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, you know that's really funny. I thought we left that soapbox somewhere else today. Just, you just for this it's right here. you know actually something uh just to dovetail this because there was a word that was bandied about uh in our internal chat today uh Mm -hmm. and it i actually i think myri uh came up with it uh if she doesn't want credit for that she she doesn't have to take it but too bad i'm (laughs) attributing credit um but it it's exactly to what you're speaking of it's that uh, some people might say comprehensive or holistic but At the end of the day, the word was a combination of authentic and ethics. So auth ethics. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I think that really nails it right on the the tip of the head there. You know, they say that in business, of course, money needs to be made for the business to stay afloat Mm -hmm. for everybody to enjoy um, uh, their opportunity to work and grow together. But if your focus is solely money, that nine times out of ten, isn't going to end well uh, and 10 times out of 10 uh, won't end well in the long run. Um, And so it's, as you said, it's about being authentic uh, and, and ethical. And sometimes it can, you know, take a little bit to build trust with a client, especially if they have uh, had unfortunate or deals with, with prior companies in the past where Mm -hmm. they were taken for a ride where they had some of the exact situations that we've brought up here uh, today uh, happened to them, you know, where they were overpromised and they did not deliver on what they were promising, uh, or, or, or something, you know, even worse in that implementation phase. So I talked to somebody, uh, today who used to, or who, who is, um, using a, a company that I used to work for, for, um, some of their marketing development stuff. And I, and I said to him straight up, I, I, my met him somewhere. It was not a planned thing, but I went up to him. I was like, Hey, um, I, my, I'm Brandon. Here's who I work for. I used to work over here. And, uh, he's like, Oh yeah. And he had this kind of, you know, when somebody says, yeah, and they're smiling, but there's something kind of behind it. So there's a little bit of that. And I was like, okay, and I said, yeah, uh, how's it going? He was like, uh, you know, I was like, I don't though. Why don't you tell me? And he did, he was like, he, he was kind of being, playing it close to the vest. And I appreciate that. And I said, well, you know, the first thing I'll say is that I'm not going to disparage anybody. 
I don't, I don't need to, um, I don't need to be like some people and, uh, build myself up by tearing other people down that that's robbing Peter to pay Paul with your soul. Um, but I said, but here's the deal. I want you as a client and I'm going to steal you from them. So, um, just a heads up, I will be calling you in the next couple months. And so I'd love to sit down and chat. I want to learn more and I want to learn where those promises have not been fulfilled because I know with hundred percent confidence that what we do works better. And if I don't, I won't tell you that we do. So yeah, it, it's the ethics of it because you can't get that back. You can't get that back. It takes five years to build trust with somebody. It takes five minutes to tear it down. Um, and I mean, I have a, we, we don't have to get into it now, but there's a, a story I have about a, a client that was just kind of, it was a potential client rather and a large client um, that because somebody had some sort of vendetta it just got crapped on by not me, by somebody else and the client walked. And then I was like, I'm not thrilled. And I said, Hey, this is my character that's on the line here. Oh, it's disturbing that you're more concerned about what this person, this person thinks of your character than what I think of your character. And I was like, you know, two things can be true at once. How about just don't be a dick? Pardon me, kids. Explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. Sorry. It's true. Yeah. 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 Actually, something um, something that I read today was speaking, kind of what I focused on for my daily meditation, just as a, a brief aside, was exactly what you were talking about. When somebody is rude to you, there is mm. no need to respond in the same way. You know, there. exactly, right? The point is to put out into the world, to model mm-hmm. what what you want um, to be reflected and will it always be reflected? No, absolutely not. Uh, but does that mean we should give up? Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. I, 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 as a sidebar, I'm a Freemason and, um, go ahead. People that are listening to this, write your emails. We don't control the world, only the important (laughs) stuff. So, (laughs) but part of that is the, the, probably the biggest part of that is morality. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, morality and ethics are, are, they're two sides of the same coin, right? However you define it. And I take that very seriously because again, you can't get that back. And I have kids and I look at my kids and I go, how am I supposed to have my kids respect who I am if I'm this way, you know, but Hey, whatever puts you to sleep at night. And I know it's certainly not sleeping on a, it's a sleep on a big pile of uh, ill-gotten gains. Enjoy that. I'll be over here. I'll at the end of ten years. I'll have a, a stack of ill-gotten gains that aren't ill-gotten. They're just gains that are w- well won, right? And I'll have it twice as deep, and I'll have the customers to back it up. And my retention rate for clients will be way north of ninety percent. Anyway. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I could just, I, ha, I feel very strongly about this and I feel, I, I feel so fortunate to have um, stumbled into the people, uh, you know, Sarah, the, the CFO of Monda, Sarah and I met what, four or five years ago or something like this. And, you know, we've just maintained touch, but I know other people that would be like, oh my God, she works for a competitor. Screw her. 
This, meanwhile, Sarah's like the nicest person on earth. So it's like, yeah. come on. Anyway, aside from my wife, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Too soon. No, That's right. <laughs> but absolutely well said. Uh, so perhaps we should take a, uh, a U-turn, not a U-turn, but a 90-degree turn. Yes. <laughs> and move on to, to um, personas. Does that sound like uh, our next move here? Yeah, let's do it. Um, do you want to intro kind of how we got there or do you want me to talk about it? Please. I think you may okay. be able to speak to this uh, slightly better than I am, even if it's not, even if it's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, we, you know, before we, before we jumped on Jordan and I were, we were kind of doing a little bit of pre-show planning. And one of the things that, um, I find very interesting is that when people are marketing their business, their business serve, and we, we will use these terms interchangeably for the sake of this show, product, service, business, whatever. Let's just say business. When people are marketing their business, they are marketing that business to a customer that is them. They tend to go, oh, what do I want to buy, use, whatever, you know? And, and the problem is there's a pretty good chance that they know a lot about that thing they're doing, right? This is it's like, I don't call cold call very frequently um, doctor's offices. Uh, they could be very, very lucrative, especially things like um, plastic surgery. Now, plastic surgery, the reason that I think it could be very lucrative from a marketing standpoint is one, uh, it's very largely cash-based. Uh, it takes a lot, apart from reconstructions and things like that, but even in the case of reconstruction, even if insurance is paying for it, there's still a high marketing demand because it's it's such an uh, an artistic endeavor. It's not just who can remove my appendix. I mean, that's that's kind of here's a pair of scissors and a twist tie, and you're good. But <laughs> I just tell like that's terrible. But in the case of plastic surgery, it's such a personal thing because it's characteristic of you as a human, right? The way that you look, what you see in the mirror, what your kids, your wife, your family, whatever, all those people see largely. Um, but I but I don't call into those guys and girls because they know too much they think right so you go to call in and you're like i've got this and i i call them the god complex industries and so uh doctors dentists uh therapists to a degree um certainly lawyers and sometimes cpas and this is certainly i'm not trying to say that to dig on these guys i'm there they have amazing businesses they really crush it but when it comes to running the business and it doesn't have to be marketing, right? That's just where where we're floating. Um, but they go, I got it. And I want to go, just because you have an MD after your name and you got like 73 years of school and $5.6 million in student debt and all these things, it doesn't mean you're good at running the business. It means you're great at doing that chin lift thing or something. I don't know, right? I mean... those two things are not mutually exclusive. And there's a book actually in a networking group I was in today called the E-Myth. And in this book, they were specifically talking about this, how just because you're good at a thing doesn't make you good at the business. And so the reason that I bring that up is because one of the things that uh, Jordan and I were talking about, Jordan, you and I were talking about, since I'm kind of talking to the audience weirdly, third person, but um, is, well, who are you marketing to? And, and HubSpot. So if you guys don't know HubSpot, great CRM tool. Um, it's very, very robust tool. They actually have this persona tool. And what it does 
is it allows you to go through and create buyer personas. So who is that person that you're selling to? Like, and it can be, you could break this down infinitely, right? Um, because at the end of the day, if you're like, you got to, let's say you got um, 10 pawns, right? Five of them have bass in them. Four of them have rainbow trout and one has carp. Well, guess what? No one wants to eat carp, right? <laughs> You're probably going to want to fish in the rainbow trout and maybe the bass, right? So you don't go to the pond that has carp in it. And then you figure out, well, of the five ponds that have rainbow trout in it, three of them have 75% of the trout, the other one collectively, the other one has, uh, the remainder that doesn't make any sense, but you get what I'm saying. They have the majority of it. And then the other one has like three rainbow trout swimming around. So the point being that if you could spend your time just fishing where the fish are, the fish that you want to eat in the most populated body of water, you would do that. And that can be, and, and you're, you're breaking it down based on species. Maybe it's, it's a pond that's stocked, but it was stocked. This pond over here was stocked this past year. Those two ponds were stocked three years ago. Therefore they've got these big honker, you know, rainbow trout. That's where you want to fish. And so as we build personas, you want to say, who is my ideal client or customer? How old are they? How are they, are they a man or a woman? How, how you could even say, how tall are they? Frankly, if you're, if you're marketing a Mazda Miata, you're not going to go marketing to the NBA. It doesn't make any sense. Right? So you have to, or to the Danes, right? Denmark has the tallest people in the world on average. You're probably not going to sell a Miata there. Right? <laughs> so think about who that person is. How much money do they make? Do they own their house? Do they rent? If you're a roofer, you don't want to spend a lot of time, energy, and money marketing toward mobile home parks because it doesn't make any sense. It's not that those people aren't lovely and have roofs just as well, but there's no revenue in that. It's a flat roof. It's really easy to cover. They're going to find you if they need it. Market to the person that's got the 5,000 square foot home, wants class four impact resistant shingles from Malarkey and a Trex deck, or excuse me, Timber Tech deck out back built with, um, gosh, what's it? Fortress railings and things like that. That's who you want to market to because in Boulder County, that's like a $3 million house. <laughs> you know, they're going to have more revenue. There's going to be more money there. So, Jordan and I wanted to go through this tool that neither one of us has. It, that's not true. I used it uh, a while ago to kind of just create my own persona. Like, who am I? You know, what, like what things as a shopper are important to me. And so this is a tool that is free. Um, Jordan, do you have a URL there? Yeah, absolutely. And what we're going to do is if you're watching this, we'll, we'll try to describe this kind of word for word as we, Jordan's going to share a screen. And as we go through this, um, to build these personas, this is a, this is an exercise that any business owner or manager, whatever should use. You should go through these things and try to figure out who are these people and then, and then limit the size, right? So maybe start with like five customers right? Or five personas. You got uh, old man, young man, old woman, young woman, and then kind of just generic person that shaves off age and, and sex, right? Maybe. Um, but go through and do this exercise so that you know who you're marketing to, where you're spending your energy. And so I will now, we're, now we're going to look at this thing. Maybe I yeah, should put absolutely. my glasses on so I can see it. <laughs> For everybody that's uh, listening, 
uh, and can't not cannot see our our screen, essentially we've gone to HubSpot.com slash make hyphen my hyphen persona. It may just be easier to Google uh, HubSpot persona, and you should be able to find that tool pretty quickly. Um, can you see my screen, Brandon? Does it look good? I to can. You? Yes, sir. All right. So I figured let's just go through this uh, and. And, uh, and kick this off. All right. So first it's asking us to create our avatar and name well, it. Well, so before we yes. do that. Yeah, please. So before we do that, what are we going to be? Let's yes. be, let's be, um, let's be a custom deck builder, outdoor living space builder, right? Let's do it. So that we have a, we have a, a barometer from which to work, right? Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. That looks good. All right. Uh, so we we just named it, and mm -hmm. it's now asking us uh, to provide demographic traits, which uh, at this moment are its age and um, school uh, completion percentage. So, so let's assume, you know, where where do people begin to have that disposable income? Because let's look at it. This is a no one needs. God love them. Well, few people need, but very few people need a custom outdoor living space. That's one. Um, moreover, people are staying at home longer. Um, they're not, they're kind of willing to work in crap jobs because parents are now forced to provide health insurance up to 26 and all that kind of nonsense. So where's this person going to be? They're probably not going to be younger than 40 years old. I mean, there's a chance, but again, it's kind of like, are you going to go to the pond where you know there's the right rainbow trout, but there are only like six of them or the one where there's 6,000 of them? So yeah, so Jordan just slid the thing to the 45 to 54 years. So that nine year, I guess 10 year, if you include the 54 uh, age range. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think these individuals would be more inclined to have uh, a higher disposable income Yep, and perhaps uh, while their nest may or may not be empty at this point, uh, or it, it probably is empty at this point, that means they, uh, in many cases, really want their uh, if they had offspring to have their offspring and and you know their family come back to reunite uh, and yes. gather right. So this would be the perfect time to to make perfect. sure you have a really beautiful outdoor living space that's enticing for every come home for Christmas, please. Yeah. we have this new deck. Yes. Although I will say I am 44 right now. And I saw on Facebook where a friend of mine from middle school now has like a grandchild and I wanted to run my face into a wall. <laughs> now, granted, like, I think she <laughs> got out of college and started popping out, got married, started popping out babies. So that probably helps. But I was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. What? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> to each their own, right? You, you, yeah. You never know how it's all going to pan out. No, yeah, 100%. But I agree with you. You're so right. And you and this is that's exactly so you what you did there J Jordan is you just put yourself in the mindset of what is going on with this person? Like why does this person care? It's not just so they have a cool deck. It's so they have a cool deck for why? Like why? I mean, are they going to go out? They're going to look at the mountains. They want their grandkids to come in. Maybe they want a fire pit over here, or maybe they want a water feature, whatever it is. It's so that 
their family can be there. Or if they're just single people, maybe it's so that they can entertain, you know, it's you, I think that having that foresight to step outside of your own kind of myopia uh, is so important. So I digress. Sorry. No, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. So we answered the question on age and now the, the tool, the persona tool from HubSpot is asking us to think about for this particular persona, uh, they're 45 to 54 years old. And what is the highest degree or level of school your persona has completed? So probably by that age, obviously we're just being, uh, we're using averages or, uh, statistical resources. Um, I suppose we could say somewhere in the middle, maybe a bachelor's degree. So I have thoughts on this. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of trades. I'm a big fan of trades. Um, I think that trades, 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 trades. trades. I got really excited there. (laughs) I'm a big fan of locomotives. (laughs) (laughs) So in the trades, like your roofers, your builders, your framers, your, your, uh, I guess plumbers, electrical, you know, um, you don't need to go to college. And in fact, it is infinitely frustrating to me when I see people go to a four-year school only to come out with $150,000 or probably quarter million dollars in debt um, and then start working in a trade. And I was like, oh, did you you get your four-year degree in uh, electrical work, electrical engineering? And you may have if you're a true engineer, but what you probably could have slash should have done is gone to a trade school and apprenticed with a master in that space to become a master yourself. Those people get out of school, high school, if they take the track, not through college, but they take the track directly into a trade, they learn with a master builder, electrician, plumber, whatever it is. They learn from that person. They apprentice for X amount of time, but they're, as they're apprenticing, they're getting paid immediately straight out of high school and then they're a master within two years and then they're making six figures two years after that and they have no debt to do it and if they have some debt it's like 10 grand because they went and took some certifications over here and whatever i think and i don't know what this thing drags to what happens when you drag it down a little bit yeah sure so uh, just for everybody that can't see on the left is less than a high school diploma and all the way on the max is phd doctorate Mm-hmm. I don't know what an EDD is, but it's a doctor of education. education. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what happens if you put it like 25 or 30%? So, okay. Some college, no degree. And what's right below that? I think it says high school degree or equivalent. Hmm. So I would think that it, frankly, it should, there should also be like associate's degree or, you know, something like that should be included. But I think that at the very least it should be, okay, so what about if it's, I would go down to the some college, the some classes thing, that. Because I think that that's the person that goes to college, they go, this is not for me, but I really want, I'm really passionate about building. And then they go learn. So let's, let's set it there. I mean, so if you guys, again, for those not looking, this slider, again, as Jordan said, um, less than a high school diploma up to a PhD or a, a postdoc um this is about 30 percent of the way through that slider there 
Perfect. All right. Now we're moving on to the next page. What industry do they work in? Did you hear the sound when I, I did? That That's mildly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so this page is titled their business. What industry do they work in? Uh, and it looks like there's a, it's not a super extensive list, fortunately. It's so this is who our client is, right? So I want to be clear really quickly so that the person that we were just talking about and we're kind of trying to nail down what kind of degree they have, we're talking about the client. But again, those people are the ones that are going to have disposable income. It just happens that in this case, it lines up with the also the person who owns this company that we in, you know, in, uh, imaginarily work for. I'm pretty sure that imaginarily is a word. So uh, what industry does this person work in? All right. So <laughs> sales, finance, manufacturing, what are our choices here? Holy crap. This is yeah. sales, finance, manufacturing, investment, retail, technology, advertising, bank, pharmaceutical, marketing, trade, transport, real estate, healthcare, insurance, agriculture, construction. All right. Well, let me ask you this though. Do we have to put something there? It looks like you, I mean, we can certainly attempt to skip Let's try it. not to. And then let's go, oh, sorry, my phone just rang at me. Um, let's go, What? okay, so now let's see if we can not give an industry. Hmm. Oh. That was a very judgmental. <laughs> just, just for you guys to know who are um, listening or watching, that, that came from the HubSpot tool. <laughs> it did not like that we did not insert information, but it, huh. was <laughs> it was, <laughs> might have as well said, oh, really? <laughs> um, can you go? So you left it as self-employed there? I didn't. I No, here, I can go back. Uh, yeah, let's see. No, there was, yeah, oh, so yes. the size of the organization, self-employed. Uh, oh, Lordy. Yeah, so here's what I would do there. What happens? So it says self-employed on the far left. And as we slide up, it goes to a hundred thousand plus employees. I would say go, go down a little bit. Yeah. So, because a lot of these people, even if it's the person that we're talking about, they're working for a successful company that they maybe own, maybe work for. Um, even if they're self-employed, they're still going to say that there's a certain number of employees. So we're trying to kind of cast the widest net, but that's also still strategic. So let's say it's, I wish it, I wish we could say, so there's zero to or just self-employed then one to 10, then 11 to 50 and so on. So let's say, let's say 11 to 50, you know, maybe let's just mm. nail that person. Oh, hmm. <laughs> what is their job title? No idea. How is their job measured? Leads generated, revenue generated. Hmm. What happens if we just say sales? And I, I believe because these fields are, um, they're write your own information. I think yep. it's almost just for, for us, right? Okay. I, I don't, I'm not convinced that the persona tool is going to parse this data. No. Um, that's, just my, that's just my take on it. Yep. Good call. Good call. So let's say, what is their job? Let's say, um, in this case, sales rep for sure, because sales can make a lot of money. Um, owner, I guess it could be. Can we put more than one thing? Why not? Yeah. Uh, sales rep, owner, uh, president, because even owners sometimes list themselves as president. Okay, cool. Um, and that's a good point, Jordan, because I, I got to be honest, like I'm looking at this and I keep my brain keeps going into like LinkedIn sales navigator mode 
and that's what I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> which that's not what this is. Um, I'm going, okay, well, who is this person that I want this bot to message to or something? <laughs> it's like very that. structured, right? It's like- yeah. Uh, how is your job measured? I would say revenue generated. Um, I, I guess, I don't think leads generated, frankly, because even in sales, the revenue is the end goal. I mean, that's the end zone. Conversions. Know. Sure. Conversions. Who do they report to? <clears throat> mm. I don't know. Potentially uh, because a board? If they're, I don't know. Not an 11 to 50 no, person no. company. <laughs> There's no board. It depends on the ego, I think. Uh, yeah, true. Because, um, I mean, if they're an owner, I guess, it, who do they report to? It could be self, let's say. Yeah. It could be CEO. It could be president. Because that sales rep is going to report to the CEO or to the president, you know. So, yeah, founder. Good call. I like that. That's good. All right, let's move on to the next tab. Hopefully, we don't get judged. Um, hmm. What was that? What was that <laughs> it's like, that's the little flag she's got up there. You see in the picture? There's a little flag. That's what that was. <clears throat> yeah, the, the flag, if you can't see, she, the, the lady is standing there, a very snow-covered uh, mountain is behind her with a very large flag, and we have to imagine that sound effect, effect was the flag. She's in the Himalayas. It's those Buddhist prayer flags. <laughs> so this thing says, oh, I didn't realize there was a bottom section to this page. Oh, well, that's good to know. That's cool. Um, so this thing says, why is this step important? Understanding your buyers, your buyer persona's goals, challenges, and day-to-day responsibilities informs what you can do to help them overcome obstacles and simplify their workflow. It also helps you develop empathy, which is a powerful force when it comes to driving them to take action. All right. The title of the page is the characteristics of their job. Yes. Good call. Okay. So what are the biggest challenges? And these are all little check boxes. So, um, <clears throat> navigating client relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Resources. What do you think there? Well, if so as, they... Yeah, resources. Well, as a sales rep, I suppose maybe that's not, I, I, you know, I was going to say maybe that's not their biggest challenge as a sales rep where it might be as the, uh, as the CEO or the president, but yeah. surely I, as I a sales rep, I, challenges with the resources, don't they? Yeah. I look at as time as a resource. I mean, and that's a huge challenge in sales, you know, so probably resources, employee morale, maybe, uh, Yeah. 11 to 50 people. Um, yeah. I mean, at that size, everybody's got to count. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Change management. I don't know about that. I mean, I guess so, but I, th- I would think that they're more of a growth mindset than a change mindset. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, communication. Mm, I know business owners who are terrible at communicating, so it's probably not possible. high on their list. Uh, collaboration, creativity. Again, if we're looking, uh, maybe, maybe, but at that size, I wouldn't think so. I think that those people at that point, you're, it's, you're probably chief bottle washer. I mean, you're like taking out the trash and doing everything. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, 
project management and disorganization, a hundred percent. Uh, problem solving and decision making, probably not professional development, honestly. Mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah. Did you think uh, the affirmative to problem solving and decision making? Oh yeah. Okay. Because again, they're seriously uh, at an eleven to fifty person company, assuming they're W twos. There, there is a time where that president is taken out of the trash, literally. And I mean, I know that sounds like a weird thing, but it's like am I going to take out this trash or delegate it to Bob over there? I mean, that's, that sounds like a stupid example, but it's also very real. So I am (laughs) HO. So below that section, there is a space where you can uh, add your own item for the answer to what are their biggest challenges? uh, If none of those uh, nine boxes apply to them, to this Mm -hmm. persona, And at the very bottom, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. At the very bottom, the final question of this page, uh, step five of seven, is what are their job responsibilities? So, I I mean, I think that's so broad. I guess you could do things like, you know, sales, business development, um, lead generation, revenue generation, um, marketing, frankly. Um. Yeah, that's kind of it, I think. Perfect. Well, let's see if uh, if we're approved of here. Let's see. Oh, oh, that's a positive sound. <laughs> it did sound positive. So this step, six or seven, they're going to say, well, how does this person work? What tools do they use or need to do their job? So do they have, what, what are these things do they have? So they've, uh, accounting and bookkeeping systems, almost certainly at an 11 to 50 person mm-hmm. company. If they're say, in sales at all, CRM, absolutely. And it's um, a customer relationship management, right? Yeah, which is HubSpot. <laughs> the thing that mm-hmm. we're looking at. I bet you when you check that box, you automatically get a sales email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's and like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> Your phone's going to ring 30 seconds after clicking it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Content management system. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of in that gray area where they mm-hmm. may have tried to build their own website type of deal, you know? But probably not. Probably I, I would not, say yeah. probably not. Um, project management, yep. Email, duh. Cloud-based storage and file sharing, probably. God, yeah. I hope so. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm using my external Western digital hard drive. Back off. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Seagate. Let's see, invoicing software. Uh, uh, yes, but I would also assume that that's uh, lumped in with the accounting software above. Um, employee scheduling software? I don't think so. I Maybe think that... This size. No, I don't think... I think you're right. And that to me smacks of uh, somebody who's running like a grocery store or a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? A retail, a retail space. Yeah, it's not, you're not dealing with salaried employees where you're dealing with hourly. I mean, scheduling, other than that, it's like, look, nine to five, baby, let's get this done. <laughs> yeah. Um, word processing program, I guess. I don't know. Yikes. I mean, 
Maybe, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Google Docs, you know, you have yeah. to build proposals, stuff like that. Who knows? Reporting software? A way to be vague, bro. <laughs> yes, all the reports, all of them. I mean, but isn't that, again, accounting and bookkeeping? You would... There's One a lot of overlap think. here, right? Like uh, cloud-based yeah. storage and file sharing applications. I mean, if you're talking about uh, Microsoft 365 Office or you know the the Google Workplace, uh, Google Workspace, that overlaps with word processing, right? Yeah. So it's almost like it's 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 very specific. You do nothing else but work on word processing. Yeah. Who knows? It's interesting. Uh, business intelligence dashboards. I, I'll tell you this about that. Uh, yes, there are people that do that. And I know one right off the top of my head that's a, a roofing company that I, I'm very familiar with who uses business intelligence dashboards. Um, and they're small, like they're five to 11 people. Um, I also think they're a the minority. There are a couple of people that are, that are like that in that space that I know. So I don't know how, what the prevalence of that is because I feel like those guys are the outliers as opposed to the norm. So probably not. And I'd have to imagine that oftentimes those business intelligence uh, sorts of tools and softwares, they typically don't come cheap. And it's right. usually something that really needs to be managed to make sure that uh, the data that's going in isn't garbage so that it's actionable, useful data that comes out. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just spending money for the sake of spending money on a tool that you, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Use why use buy these tools that you don't need. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. How do they communicate with vendors and other businesses to communicate? Oh, prefer. Yes. Prefer with other, yeah. With vendors and other businesses. I'm going to go face to face, face to face. It is nice that it's a smiley face. It yeah. is. That's all so I always It's not smile. a guaranteed. I like that I just smiled. So the audio listeners are going to be like, what was that weird pause? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was both Jordan and I smiling at each other. <laughs> um, probably face-to-face phone and email. Uh, maybe texting, but before they get to texting, they're going to have a good relationship with their vendors and other businesses by face-to-face email or phone. Um, certainly not social. Unless they become such good friends that, yeah, and yeah, yeah, check out my deck. Oh wait, <clears throat> so j- just um, for the listening audience, the options are phone, email, text messaging, social media, and face to face. Those five are the entirety. Right on. All right, we're moving on to the final step. There was oh no judgy sounds. Perfect. There was no. They want you to finish. They, they can't judge you now. <laughs> this is the sound. It's <sighs> <laughs> just like a really frustrated sigh. <laughs> I honestly think that is it's mildly over-engineered and excessive. Uh, why? Why are there sound effects? Why? Why are they different? <laughs> it seems so unnecessary. God, it's like fish with fur. Um, okay. <laughs> They get cold, bro. Uh, Misty, bro. Sorry. I guess. Um, Okay. How do they gain information for their job? And this final page is called their consumption habits. How do they gain information? I would think that it would be networking. Right? I mean, that makes sense. Um, 
maybe industry publications. Um, hmm. Let's see. Referrals. I know that's not how they gain. That's how they get business, not how they gain information for their job. Um, and this is a, a fill in the blank uh, section. Yeah. So probably vendor meetings, let's say. Mm-hmm. And uh, client meetings. I mean, I, I learned more by talking to my clients than anybody else. It's awesome. Um, okay. Let's leave those. And then what social networks do they use? And it has Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. Also, weirdly, MySpace. I'm just kidding. People listening to that. <laughs> but also, weirdly, not TikTok. Okay. Yeah. Judgy. I mean, is TikTok, TikTok not pretty, pretty major network out there these days? I do not see Friendster. Friendster? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I totally forgotten about that. <laughs> Gee, how dare they not include GeoCities? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, what social networks do they belong to? So we put at the age 45 to 55. So Facebook, Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. Maybe, yeah. Twitter? Um, I don't think they... They might belong to it. I don't think they use it. Well, it does say what social networks do they belong to, to be fair. That's fair. But I think that what... The, I, I wonder why HubSpot and the Persona Builder are asking that question. Is it what do they belong to so that you could go and market to them there? Because frankly, a 45 to 55-year-old person in the trades, for instance, mm-hmm. is not using Twitter the bulk of the time, you know, mostly because they're not a bot, um, <laughs> which is all of Twitter, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Until and Elon. Pinterest. They might use Pinterest. I don't know. I tend, I, I tend to think that, uh, Pinterest skews female. Um, but quite frankly, if we want to build a custom outdoor living space, even if so, let's we're assuming that there's a couple, and there, and by the way, there are questions left off of this, right? Like it hasn't said, is this person single? Are they married? You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, there are all these sorts of kind of variables that can go into this that aren't included. So, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, they probably belong to LinkedIn. That's what I was thinking. Maybe out of these five, perhaps it's just Twitter that is not. Uh, actively it's it's tough it's tough yeah yeah it is um okay now let's see what the, or do we get a drum roll when we click the last button i don't know but if they don't give us one i'm gonna give us one okay oh no Damn it, no that's so disappointing <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> then what this does guys and again if you're if you're listening to this um it's going to be more difficult to to take a look at. But this basically puts together a tool that takes all those information, those pieces of information and compiles it into something. Um, it helps to put together a buyer, you know, to take that particular person. And this is something that you could turn around and give to that marketing person, right? That we can give a client this thing as an exercise and say, go through these things. Who do you want to market to and begin to create those things. And then you can attach like, again, um, a, a geography and a demography to it. Right. So you can attach, well, there are of that 45 to 54 year old person. It's a, it's a woman who's married and lives in, you know, uh, Longmont, Colorado, right. Something like that. Um, those, those things are great because it gives us the, the marketers 
uh, more, more importantly, implementation to be able to kind of have a cheat sheet to go off of and not have to for every, I mean, can you imagine if we had to go through every single one of those four or, you know, four people or five people it is to create that, it'd be a massive pain in the butt. Um, yeah, it's a cool tool. I would encourage everybody to use it. And it's kind of what kicks off more than just the tool itself. And this is my takeaway is that it has you thinking intentionally about who your customer is, potential customer. Cause that's where I feel like people just don't have that conversation with themselves. You know, uh, uh, they, people don't know your customer doesn't know. I mentioned earlier, um, class four impact resistant shingles by malarkey because I know roofing companies and even I know they're roofer friends of mine that would be like, bro, stop talking about those things that you don't know about. But, but most people don't know about that stuff. They don't know that in Larimer County, Colorado, which is right at the road for here, you have to have class four shingles, right? They don't know these things. So why would you market to people that don't know those things? Just because one dude who is in marketing and likes to work with roofers knows those things. I'm one guy. Don't market to me. Market to the 300,000 people like me that don't know these things. I digress. I know it's perfect. And I, I'm sure we've already touched upon this, but there is obviously not going to be just one potential persona uh, for for your business, right? And, no, uh, there could be there could be many, many, many. So it, it in that uh, it, it, when I think of using this tool, I think mm-hmm. yes, you go through, you make a persona like we did just here. We're very actively involved. We're thinking it's prompting us to think of things that maybe we we gloss over, maybe we realize, but we don't, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't come to us until we see it presented, uh, those options. Um, but, but I see it as you make up one persona and you're like, Hmm, okay. So now I'm going to make another and see, um, the similarities, uh, the differences. Mm -hmm. And then once you have the complete view of, of however many personas you choose to make, um, or, or, or walk through, help somebody walk through as a client, potentially. I think there will be an aha moment. Yeah. Ah, you know, I'm realizing that uh, the, the choices I've made for these personas that I've built, um, perhaps their, their confirmation bias in a way, like uh, maybe there, there's so much, um, maybe there's too much overlap between the personas uh, and you realize, actually, I'm I'm missing uh, a key demographic yeah. that is actually our customer, but mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't think of that before. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I'm, that's that's you're spot on, man. I mean, like, you it helps you to see the gaps in your thinking. I mean, is what it boils down to. And I also think it would be great. <clears throat> excuse me. And if if I had planned ahead enough, maybe we could have done this, but it would be interesting to say from a marketing, from an agency perspective, if we're looking at this and we go, okay, very 30,000 foot uh, ballpark, look at this thing, man, I just mixed like 73 metaphors, but very high level view at this per persona, it's going to cost you 500 bucks a month to market. Let's say not including ad spend, just like agency fee sort of thing. And we don't do that sort of like our 
prices don't work like that. But if you're if 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 Joe company owner over here hears us on this amazing podcast, which even before it's published for the first time has 73,000 subscribers, then <clears throat> Joe's going to hear that and go, great, this is all fine and good. What is this going to cost me? You know, so uh, it would be it would be good for us to be able to do that. But I, it's such a hard calculation to make because different geographies cost different things. It costs way more to market in a big city like New York than it does to market in Fort Collins, Colorado. So it's you'd have to go so widely variable that it wouldn't really matter. But I would imagine that it's probably a pretty decent... If you had five separate audiences and you were marketing to those audiences, it would cost you... I, I think it would be pretty close to say 500 bucks a month per audience to market to before your ad spend, you know, and we can talk about what ad spend. If somebody's listening, it's like, what do you mean ad spend? So just <laughs> having an agency to manage all those things is different than the money that Google charges you for those ads to live on their pages. Right. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Man, I feel like we went into the weeds there. <laughs> we really did. And honestly, th this episode is our longest yet. And I think we've we've gone over our our target of 30 to 60 minutes. I, I think we're... <laughs> Whoops. We're, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of information that was very useful. Yes. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, that's okay. We'll, we'll have a better strategy next time. So until I'm going to take... I'm going to take the blame for that, by the way, because I no. talked way much, way, way much. Sure. Way much. Way, Sorry. way much. Are, are you Doge? Are you <laughs> way much, much awesome. Much awesome. Cool, cool too. Or however that is. <laughs> Rock and roll. Well, until next time, uh, thank you for listening to uh, the Mondo Solution podcast uh, with your host, Jordan McDonald and Brandon Wood. Thank you guys. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs>